Everybody, welcome. It's season three of Stacking Growth. This is Casty, and I'm here with the one and only Carl. Carl, whose beard is trimmed. We made it. Yep. Hopefully, no one's looking. Uh, just had to. My parents came in town, and they thought that I was. They thought I lost my job, and I got laid off, and that I was homeless. So, had to let it go. It'll be back, though. I'll give it 90 days. It'll be back. I love the fact that you know. You shaved, yeah, you, you trimmed it up for the parents. You did look like you might have lost your job and you were you're homeless, but uh it was a good look. I like this look too. Yeah, I'm still I still didn't cut the top of my hair. So that's if I was I was like, I'm choosing one. So we're still growing something out here. Um, but now that my dad's gone, I'm going for it again. Who cares? All right, take the take the stocking hat off. Let's let's see what you got. Let's see this thing. There we go. <laughs> Looking good. An excuse to wrap my HubSpot beanie now more often, even though it's getting quite warm up here in uh, Temecula, California. But excited to kick us off. It's been a while, Cassidy. How you been? I've been good. It has been a while. It's um, it feels uh, refreshing to get behind the mic. I don't know the last time we recorded anything. Um, I mean, it's, been it. it's great to be here. Last year, definitely last year. How's twenty twenty three treating you? Oh, man, what a beating <laughs> it feels like. It feels like we've been in 2023 for like nine months already. It feels like I should be like the fatigue and tiredness, you know, it's like it, it feels like it should be Q3 already. But we're like barely started with Q1. <laughs> so uh, anyways, a lot of exciting stuff, which I know we're going to unpack um, this season. But, man, I'm pumped that, you know, it's interesting you know, the recession or whatever you want to call it, the downturn that we're in, especially kind of the pain that the tech bubble specifically is experiencing. It really makes you like just there are no sacred cows, right? It makes you like relook at every single little thing. It really makes you reflect back on like, what are the stupid things that we did last year that probably caused us to be here? And not, and, and I don't even speak on like an economic level. I, I'm, I'm talking about like, on my team, on the sales team at Refine Labs, you know, it tough times really just make you stop and take stock of like what you did. Is this really the economy in the downturn or was this a bad decision that I made like back in October? Um, it's a really this is a big opportunity for reflection. I don't know if you've been been doing any of that, but I think that that's going to inform a lot of the topics in this season, which I'm pretty pumped on. Yeah, I think it's a great point. We've talked quite a bit about this. You can look back and you can, as a company, you can blame a lot of um, where you are based on the economy. But if you look a little bit deeper, you'll notice that you're likely doing things that were just insane, dumb, not rooted in kind of strategic thought process. And we're not immune to that either. And we'll probably get into that as the season goes. But yeah. Um, you know, how many, how much of the impact we're going through is economy based versus self-inflicted. And that's kind of something I think we all need to, you know, look inside and figure out how to answer for our own teams, as you mentioned, and our yeah. companies. Yeah. I think that the, uh, the downturn, it like, 
it's like salt almost in wounds, right? Like the wounds existed before and they were self-inflicted wounds, but like you were fine, right? There was enough cash and pipeline and things were okay. So you ignored some of these, you know, wounds or injuries, if we want to stick to this weird analogy. And then the downturn really was just like, salt right just dump salt and they were like whoa okay i should probably address that wound but underneath it all to your point i think the wounds are actually self-inflicted the downturn was just salt and pressure um into injuries again that that we caused ourselves um so how do we heal now i guess and move forward we're gonna tackle it man and i'm pumped on the um Silver lining side, what I love about these times is the, you know, cream rises to the top. And we're going to find out who's actually really good at what they do and which companies really have their shit together. And um, to your point, free money allowed us all to get away with things that we shouldn't have got away with. And those days are over. So with that, Carl, what are we talking about in season three? What's on your agenda? Yeah, yeah, we've got some ideas here, some stuff that's top of mind for me specifically, obviously like tech, where it's going. Uh, AI is kind of the big one. I think there's other tech as well that's exciting, but I think that's something that we need to pay attention to because I'm excited about the possibility of what the tech I'm seeing out there now can actually do. It's not like there's a there was a big proliferation of tech in the last five years and most of it's like non-essential right it was like okay that's cool but it's not like game changing and so i think there's no money for like fluff tech like that anymore so the tech we are seeing is very compelling you know um and so i think that's going to be that's something that i'm thinking about right how do i up level the team what's next how do we need to upskill to stay ahead? Where can we be more effective or efficient with some of this new stuff? So I'm definitely paying a lot of attention to that. Another thing that I'm paying attention to is this rising, uh, what's, how, would, how, would, how would I frame this? Rising culture, trend of proprietary data and proprietary insights. Really excited. We're actually going to have um, like Peter, head of insights from Carta on the show in a couple of weeks. And I'm seeing companies like content's evolving. Right. So we talked a little bit about this, Cassidy. I think like way back in the day, like early 2000s, you had to if you wanted to learn something as a you know end user or a buyer or just a company, an executive, anybody, a business person, you had to like subscribe to like industry journals or go to events or talk to a salesperson. Right. And then what happened is like HubSpot came along and kind of decentralized uh, content, right? They invented inbound marketing and it was just this basic, this basic idea that like, Hey, if you educate people, they'll come inbound to you. Right. But that education was pretty surface level. A lot of blogs, a lot of listicles, like, you know, you could hear there was some good content from like subject matter experts, but it was high, still high level and vague and, and tough to like, you know, and a lot of times like apply to your specific situation. I think we're moving away from that. And what I'm seeing and really excited about in the marketplace is like this insights led growth. So companies are now waking up to the fact that the most valuable thing that they possess is not actually the product that they built, but the data 
that that product has surfaced that no one else has, right? It's proprietary. Refine Labs, uh, we've done a good job of building our brand around the, the data that we have. And it's been difficult because like it takes a lot of work to like aggregate the data, like it's a pain in the ass, you know, but it's really, really worth it. And you see like other companies like Gong who, they did a great job. I mean, I, I think it's like a lot of the insights that they use are still pretty surface level, but look at the growth that they experienced from a marketing strategy that was based on data. Now you may get some of the, some of the data nerds that are like, oh, well, most of it's like, you know, correlation, not causation. And we can argue separately whether or not any of those insights are actually any good. But the fact that they went for that, it's undeniable that that contributed like enormous. I mean, Gong would not, I think it's safe to say Gong would not be who they are today if it wasn't for like Devin Reed and the guys over there and gals that were like, hey, let's find a way and work with the engineers to get like some some of our insights and data, right? And like, let's put that out there and see what happens, right? Now you have like companies like Lavender that are doing that. So I think that this is like the next evolution of content, brand domination, education is proprietary insights, kind of leading growth. Um, and this is powerful, not just, this is the last thing I'll say, Cass, is powerful, not just for marketing, but for sales. I think it's going to fundamentally shift the entire top of funnel, not just like marketing, but sales as well. Imagine being able to reach out to prospects and buyers with a real non-obvious insight. Imagine SDRs armed with knowledge that the people that they call don't know, right? I know something you don't know. Like that's compelling. Whereas today it's like, oh, we helped Apple grow 50%. Do you want to take a meeting, right? It's, it's garbage for the most part. But imagine being able to go and say, hey, we've got this research report, this data, it's ours. We see four interesting trends. Should we meet? Do you want to see this? I'll leave, whether we do business or not, I'll leave the report with you. Like that's a much more compelling angle that I think will, again, um, be a seismic shift to top of funnel for, for sales and marketing, which I hope will bring more of a unified strategy from those two teams, which is another thing that we'll talk about. So again, tech, I'm pumped on it. Insights led growth, how companies are gonna leverage this, I'm really pumped on. Um, yeah, so that's what I got. What do you got? I know you got a couple hot items here. Yeah, I really like both those. Um, and it's, it's funny, the irony of how this all comes together. Uh, proprietary data sets, huge yeah. in terms of your content strategy moving forward, as you mentioned. Also huge in terms of the evolution of technology. You yeah. think about the rise of AI, like the, the ground going forward with the technology we're talking about will be who has proprietary data sets and can leverage these technology and AI tools out there. So I'm looking forward to, as you said, bringing people on to help our audience kind of figure out what this means for them. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go old school. The things mm. that I want to talk about, I want to talk about brand. I want to talk about differentiation and kind of what your company stands for. I want to talk about creative and how that ties into that. I think in this space that we deal with a lot in terms of B2B marketing, um, brand's a dirty word. Uh, people don't want to talk about it. And I think we need to go the other way and we need to embrace it. This is why people buy from companies. Um, it's because of the affinity and the emotion they have towards the brand. And so how do you create that and bring that out and lean into it in the B2B world versus kind of walking away from it? There's no shortage of B2B marketers saying they want to be like 
they admire B2C companies, but then they don't take what you can learn in the B2C world and apply it to B2B. Yeah. And we need to, we need to rethink that. Performance marketing without a strong brand foundation is not how you're going to create differentiation. And so I want to get into that. And I think, you know, what fuels that is certainly proprietary data and insight, but also strong creativity. And so how do you foster that in your organization and bring that forward? And what does that look like? And I want to be bring people on who are doing that in their business today and hear from them. I'm going to so, help you with that, Cassidy. I'm going to help you with that. Please help me. How you can you help me? You know how I'm going to help you? I don't. I'm, a, I'm, I'm waiting here in bated breath to hear how you're going to help. I'm going to get Ryan Reynolds on the show. <laughs> All right. I'm saying that that I'm going to get Ryan Reynolds on stacking growth. How? Some way. Even if we have to spend every last penny that we have in the Refine Labs checking account to pay him to get here, we will, I'm going to figure it out. So who better on that topic than maximum effort, Ryan Reynolds? Anyways, I digress. All right. You're pumped on brand. What else? You heard it? No, no, no. You heard it here second. The first. Carl's getting Ryan Reynolds. Maybe we need to do a little uh, outbound old school campaign with Aviator Gin. See if we strike a deal. Yeah. Maybe we'll, you know, drive ourselves. Is that you giving me permission to expense a few bottles of aviator gin? That's what I felt like I heard just now. Listen, I mean, if you're confident that's your path to getting him on the show, then absolutely go for it. Yes. All right. I'll let Sarah CFO know. One one more old school. Um, Brand creative. Uh, We've got a lot of feedback from people. They want to hear uh, from us on marketing and sales alignment or mm. the evolution of sales and what's it mean to marketing. So I think the idea of we can expand that, um, not just talking to sales leaders who are breaking the mold and their relationship with marketers and marketers relationships with sales, but let's bring in some other leaders and talk to them about their views of marketing. Let's talk to a couple CFOs. Let's bring in some folks running customer success and really talk about what are the best practices and ways of companies working together across the commercial organization to drive change. And so um, this lack of communication or the barriers between organizations is real. And so how can we help uh, our audience knock it down? Love it. What do you think of that, Carl? I love it, man. It's powerful. So we've got brand, we've got taken down silos. We got to do it different though. You know, like marketing and sales alignment. That's a, that's a, you definitely went old school with that one, but I'm pumped for some of the guests that we're going to be bringing on because it's like, they've been there, done that. And they're running their organizations a lot differently. I'm seeing like this rise of like SDRs going under marketing and marketing, fueling the messaging for SDRs. Um, that is really awesome. I, I have a company in mind actually, and they cr- Crush. Their SDR team crushes meetings. I mean, booking crazy meetings at close sells and, and, and the sellers are just eating right because of this. So it's like, OK, that's interesting. Like maybe sales are, is an SDR manager, the one that should be writing copy if they were an AE, you know, in their previous role or should it be product marketing, you know, uh, that's leading something like this. So I'm excited to have some guests around that know what they're talking about on that topic because I certainly don't. So I'm pumped. Um, you had another note here in kind of our, of our of our notes that I thought was interesting and different. Talk to me about art of coaching because coaching is, at least from a sales perspective, kind of near and dear to my heart. But 
you're thinking a little bit differently about it. You're, you're thinking like, how do we apply the coaching, the coaching culture that sales typically does extremely well, right? It's a very like athletic team style coaching. Uh, most sellers are open to feedback. There's just like this culture of like, yeah, I need feedback. I need to get better and iterate and practice and train like a soccer team or whatever it is. Um but you're now trying to innovate that and kind of push it into the rest of the org. That feels challenging to me. Unpack that. It's an observation I've made I've, because I'm old. I've had the chance to manage um, a lot of different functions from product development and engineering to marketing, of course, into sales and sales and probably a handful of others I forgot about. Um, and one thing I've observed coming out of my times leading and managing sales teams is the stark difference between um, the embracing of a coaching mentality in the sales organization versus any other organization. And what I mean by that is the sales team, first and foremost, the objectives and KPIs and goals are brutally clear, as we all know. Mm -hmm. And so that drives a mentality of coaching the team to those objectives with very active feedback. Uh, it's not just about like patting the salesperson on the back and saying, hey, you're doing a really good job, Carl. It's like literally, how are you doing versus goal? Listening to call, you know, calls, game tape to your, to your kind of athletic um, analogy and providing really good critical feedback on how to get better. And when you talk to sales teams and sales leaders, they're all like, yeah, this is how it works in sales. This is how we get better. Um, this is pressure situation. It's a development of the team. And you see that kind of the rise of the salesperson kind of through the organization based on this level of coaching and so forth. And then you look at any other organization and what you'll find is it's almost non-existent. Now that means it doesn't, that doesn't mean it doesn't happen at the, the, with the best leaders or the best run teams, but by and large it's missing. I mean, there are marketing organizations that we'll talk to when I ask, what are your goals? They don't know. There is a appetite. There's like an unwillingness to give critical feedback because we might hurt people's feelings. And I'm like, that's horseshit. It's all about coaching to get better. And what I've noticed, and I don't know if it's generational. I don't know if it's because of the times we went through where the economy was so good and we had so much money. We didn't actually have to do effective management and coaching. I see a huge void in many companies in the space with just the lack of leading, managing and coaching your teams to be great. And, uh, you know, I want to talk to some people in this space who are doing that well. I want us to break down some frameworks that people can use going forward. And I really want to understand from you and other sales leaders like, what are the things you do in sales that aren't present in other organizations and how do we apply those to other organizations? I think this is like a massive issue in every company and it's kind of under the water, under the surface. Nobody talks about it. Yeah, man, I have some thoughts here. We might just have to do this right now, but um, you know, you got me thinking a little bit more while you were talking. It's like sales. It seems to be one of the only departments in an organization that's like truly performance based. You might say that, 
marketing is performance-based and marketing marketers may say like, yeah, I'm in a performance-based role, but they don't act like it. Right. Like who is coaching the graphic designers and the copywriters? Like, Oh no, what? Try this, try that. Like coaching, not feedback. Cause they're, those are, those are different, right? There's something more actionable and accountable um, to, to coaching, right? Like you are going to improve. This is not feedback that you can take or not take. This affects your performance. And would a copywriter see their job as performance-based? Probably not. And actually that may actually be like the underlying root issue here. It's like, I'm not, I don't see myself as an athlete on a team who, if I fail, this team fails, or at the very least, if I fail to be the best that I can be, will at least cause harm to some other function or our, you know, results. So, um, you know, sales, even like, it's funny in our, we look for it too, right? When you apply for jobs, we're asking for it. Uh, it's like, we, do you coach? What's your coaching? How do I, how am I going to ramp? Do you, you probably don't have other departments like HR or accounting that are asking these questions, but they should be because those are uh, every role in an organization is going to be performance-based. One other little thing I'll mention here is that I think that growth for most folks outside of sales means this is a difference maker means I just get promoted and make more money. So the promotion is the path to more income. Sales people don't see it that way. They see skills as the path to more income. And I think other departments don't share that mindset, right? You might talk to like a marketing department or, uh, you know, maybe even like a company like Refine Labs, right? Like a services org. And it's like the path to growth is synonymous with promotion and title change. Um, I get senior put on my or executive or VP put on my title and I get a pay bump. Sales really doesn't give a shit about that. Um, I don't care about my title. I can. I don't care if I'm account executive for uh, three decades of my life. It's irrelevant to me. I don't care if my base pay increases. Like those aren't things that I think about, right? And most sellers, I think, um, are going to think in a in a similar way, unless your base pay just sucks, right? But for the most part, we correlate improvement of or sharpening of skills with more income because. If I leave Refine Labs and go to some other org to sell, I'm taking that. I'm not taking my promotion with me to some other organization or my title, but I am going to take my skills. And that actually is my path to wealth, freedom, income, whatever it is that your goals are. Right. So I think not to be long winded, there's a fundamental mindset difference there where it's like promotion is path to growth or those are synonymous. But with sellers, it's skill is path. And I think that the sellers have the better mindset there and that affects the culture of their team. What do you think? Yeah, this is a great insight. I would add to that. Most companies I'm in, when we talk about career development, the masses think promotion and they think, send me to some type of training. Yeah. Official training. Yeah. And yeah, these things are important. I'm not going to say like you shouldn't fight for these things. But if you really want to understand how to grow skills, it's by getting opportunities to try new things yep. with very active coaching yep. and repetition. That's how you get good. Yep. I can send my kid to a soccer camp. You know, I was going to get good at soccer, practicing over and over and getting in the game and yep. getting coached repeatedly by somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. 
And people don't think about that when they think about career growth. They think about the easy stuff. When am I going to get promoted? When can I go to my next uh, training? Um, yeah. And listen, training's useless if you don't get to apply it. Yep. And so I, I would love to kind of break that paradigm with you because I think we got to get out of this um, this correlation between like I'm developing my career because I'm getting promoted. Yeah, exactly. You can get promoted as a copywriter, graphic designer, and not improve your skills, right? It's a, it could be, oh, well, you've been in this role for two years. Time to put senior in front of your title. It's like, that doesn't help your career, you know? Um, but again, it's just a mindset. It's not that it's wrong. It's just a, it's a mindset shift. It's something sales has always had. They've always known that if my skills don't improve, I will plateau. Other sellers will surpass me competitive competitor sellers in my territory will beat me more often than not, et cetera. So yeah, it's fascinating. Um, we definitely went off on a tangent here, but I brought it um, up because I think it's a big one. And I'd, I'd love this season three, man, we're going to tackle coaching because you don't have it. And again, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but like you don't, there is not a marketing coach that, that, that hangs out with the marketing team and nitpicks and develops and has a, a, a plan of action, et cetera, for developing the skills that take you from average at something to mastery. Um, so sales has cracked that nut for the most part. We don't even do that great all the time, but it's still so much further along than the rest of the, the org that, uh, you know, be a lot of value. So, and, and no one is, uh, no one is, Everyone, it, 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 there should be on the executive team, right? The smartest people in the world, man. Last thing I'll say, smartest people in the world, like have coaches, right? Even executives, they hire coaches. Um, you want to be better at life? You hire a life coach, right? Financial advising. These are all really coaching functions. And the wealthiest folks that I know, they've got mentors and coaches around them. But for some reason, as business professionals, we deprioritize the important role of coaching and mentorship, except for sales. And I think it harms results. So you see a lot of these teams producing garbage results. They get fired and hired somewhere else, fired again. It's just that these organizations don't move anywhere. So, all right, rant over. It's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Like, we all have a manager, but we don't have a coach. Yep. And I would argue this is the role of the manager is yep. to be the coach. That's good. So do your job. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I'm not saying, though, you shouldn't fight for promotions and all these things. That would be naive. I was a person who was always wanting to be promoted when I was young. And I'm, I'm not going to be the old guy sitting here saying, don't fight for what you think you deserve. But don't fool yourself into thinking because you got promoted, that means you developed a skill. These are two separate things. Develop your skills, get active coaching, listen take chances, put yourself out there and then yeah, fight for the promotions and do those types of things, but don't, don't confuse one for the other. All right. What else? What else? We're talking tech. We're talking insights. We're talking brand. We're talking alignment. We're talking coaching. Who we got coming up? Well, I had a fabulous interview this morning. Uh, Yvonne O'Brien, Chief Marketing Officer at Zappy. We got into brand differences between B2C and B2B because that's been her background. She's had this unique perspective of seeing both sides of the world. And, you know, from what, the, from what they've built at Zappy, um, phenomenal, phenomenal. I mean, that is an example of what, when I think of brand and I think of creativity and I think of data-driven insights, 
amazing, amazing kind of company that we should uphold and like have people look at as kind of a, a benchmark of what we would like to see more of in the B2B space. So we'll have that interview, you know, a high soon. bar there. Yeah. That's a high bar for our first one. I'm going to have to follow up with a good one. We got Peter at Carta. We're going to be talking insights um, and what he's done uh, with insights and how that's impacted our organization. Of course, you know, we're going to have Ryan Reynolds on here at some point. So, you know, he's coming up, but um, I had another topic um, wild card here um, and it's, the inbound buying experience. And I know you've got some really specific thoughts on this, but you, you're kind of radical, you know, you think that it should have like its own playbook um, and really kind of be its own siloed is kind of a, you know, an, an, an unspoken of word, but you think it should be its own function. What do you unpack that for me and for us? Cause I think I agree, but I don't know. Well, let me kind of set up the situation. I mean, we've we've built a marketing go-to-market engine for the last 10 or 15 years that's been that's rewarded marketers for driving a high volume of shitty leads. And we've talked about this quite a bit. And those leads get nurtured and scored and whatever, and they get dumped over to the sales team. And the sales team, frankly, doesn't give a shit about these leads. Um, they know they're not going to convert the revenue. So they've created their own structure. And we've talked about this many times on the call, going outbound, doing their own marketing, um, sourcing their own revenue to the point where in a lot of B2B companies, you know, sales sources and closes the majority of the revenue at the marketing team. In part because of the stuff that we preach and what we've seen, we're starting to get marketers though early in this space to figure out how to create create demand. So they're starting to actually do real marketing, the creating demand for their brands and their company and their product. And people are coming inbound and they're raising their hand to talk to the sales team. And what the issue is I see is the marketing team is not telling the sales team, these are a different type of lead. These are people who want to talk to you. So let's not trade him the same as we're treating all the other leads that the marketing team gives the sales team, of which the sales team knows are not high quality and aren't going to close. These are a different lead. These are the most valuable leads we can have in a company. And those leads deserve their own process and a different level of a attention and urgency to them because these are leads that will close in a predictable fashion to revenue at a high rate if that process is executed correctly. And so why is this something I'm, you know, I'm pointing out is because I'm observing it over and over, not just in our clients, but also others that I talk to that once they get the marketing engine working in an effective way, the next downstream implication of that is the sales team is not following up on these leads efficiently and these leads aren't converting to qualified pipeline and revenue at the rate they should be. This is natural to have happen, by the way, because of all the stuff we talked about in this transition. Yeah. But if you want to really change an organization, it's not enough to create demand. You also need to be able to convert that demand efficiently to revenue. And that's the opportunity for the sales organization to kind of say, listen, my marketing team does have their shit together. And these leads are valuable. And there's going to be a different way that I handle these leads and route these leads and, and work a sales process and 
my outbound strategy. It's going to be different than like my low intent inbound strategy of all those crappy leads that I dump to a BDR and say good luck. Um, these high intent, most valuable leads um, deserve and need another process. And mm. I don't know a better way to make that point than to say, listen, it's its own playbook. It's its own strategy. It's a different type of training of a salesperson to handle this than maybe what we're traditionally we've done in the past. And this isn't like, there are companies out there that do it really well. And we want to find those companies and talk to them about how they do this efficiently. But this is something I think uh, as we change the paradigm of B2B marketing and make it um, a part of the revenue mix versus some sideshow, we're going to need to make sure that um, we rethink the sales process as well. So that's my long winded answer to my POV on that. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's awesome. You know, I think um, like PLG companies, they uh, probably are the most evolved in this regard, right? Because they're not sales led uh, always. Again, they may have like enterprise outbound going or whatever, but they wait, they're using like, data right product usage data etc to kind of inform their outreach and there's like a whole ecosystem of tools that are now been built and explode this whole little micro space is like exploded and so i think uh we should definitely have some of those companies on to kind of hear like what their inbound buying experience is like um yeah i mean it's it's challenging right because i'm a seller and i'm like well and you want marketing to start to own like demand capture, which now you're including probably sales in to some degree. So it's like, you know, now we're, you know, you're taking SDRs to market. You're, t- you're taking everybody here, Cassidy. The SDRs are going to marketing now. Uh, inbound sellers are going to marketing. Everybody's becoming a marketer. But um, I think that, you know, fundamentally, I don't know any company that does this, but it's like, this is like, Chris talks about this sometimes and we, and we've alluded to it here and there, but it's like, just, is it, is this an org structure issue right and more than like a tactical playbook issue like should you not have sales and marketing departments anymore should you have demand creation demand capture and demand um closure like functions right and that is kind of the entire and then and then expansion right and then you have demand expansion function so you have like these three functions you think of like visually not everybody will be able to see me if they're listening to this just on spotify or something but instead of like two silos standing up next to each other. What if it's actually more of a horizontal type of structure that is aligned with the customer journey? And you may have a mix of salespeople and marketers, like there's just different skill sets that are in the demand creation um, department. And then you've got your demand capture department with again, a mix of marketers and writers and graphic designers and salespeople and tech that's specific to that stage, if you want to call it that. And then again, same thing on the demand closure uh, piece. And then of course the demand expansion. So it feels like we might be suggesting something even more radical, like the org chart needs to change and is wrong. Um, I don't know if I just put words in your mouth, but that's the visual I had in my mind as you were talking through your concepts. Yeah, maybe. I think it's worth uh, considering. It could also be by pipeline source, right? We have high intent hand raisers coming in. What's the, who's the squad that handles that end to end? Because when you think about it, not only is it a different playbook and a different mix of people, the feedback loop is really tight. 
And what I mean by that is you literally have somebody who's like, I want to talk to you. The level of learning that you're going to get from how well they understand what you do when they come inbound to the questions they ask to what the salesperson needs or the person needs to get that deal closed in the pipeline is different. That feedback loop, that loop comes back to like how they come in. They came in on an inbound channel. They came in through your website. They educated themselves before they showed up. So how effective are we at the education process? So the call becomes more efficient and the cycle time reduces and the closure rate increases. So there's this, to your point, yeah, it's not really alignment. It is literally in, the mindset needs to be one team yeah. closed loop. How do you get people moving through that process as efficiently as possible? What are all the points of friction? We talk about friction being, I don't have automation to take a, a form fill and convert it to a meeting. Great. That's one point of friction. Another point of friction is, you know, the salesperson has to spend 25 minutes to the first 30 minutes of a call, educating the buyer on what you do. That should be under 10 minutes because they should already be educated. That needs to be closed loop back to the marketing team, better education, better data-driven insights. Yeah. Or the buyer is well-educated and they're rammed into an SDR qualification call, right? Exactly. Like they come in well-educated, you're taking them back to the beginning and they're like, "We're I'm at the end, man. Yeah. I just, tell me where to, tell me where to sign. And no, we're running them through Bant and all this other bullshit. Yep. Love it, dude. I'm pumped. This is awesome. Um, I don't know about you. I feel like we can close up shop here, but to recap here, tech, AI, insight led growth, uh, brands, silos, coaching, team collaboration. We got it all. We'll hit the, we'll hit, you know, with the classics, we'll do some demand jam at some point. Some, some demand creation. We'll make, but you know, we want to. We can't forget that. That's a, that's a yep. topic of our show. We'll just make fun of each other sometimes. You know, we we definitely the audience deserves more beard jokes. We've been asked uh, to provide more beard jokes. We'll we have that. We, I think we're also going to bring more people on than usual. A lot of times, it's uh, you hear from Refine Labs or you hear from Carl and myself, like you're doing right now. Yeah, um, we're going to bring on some other non-obvious people to share their insights and so forth. And we want to hear from the audience too. Like the audience, there's topics out there that uh, they're struggling with and they would love us to talk about those topics or bring somebody on. Let us know, man. We'll bring them on. I'm Pump Cassidy. Let's do this. Stacking Growth Season 3 starts now. Coming at you. Stacking Growth. More to come. We're out. We're out.